Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. And now, a presentation on the Mental Health News Radio Network. The Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. Ryan, that is a freaking awesome question. You are the power, and you do not need anybody's permission. He's the only guy that ever crawled out of a brain where people didn't go, oh, ah! Don't worry, don't be afraid, ever, because this is just a ride. You're, you're a great interviewer. You're one of the best. If this is the best God can do, I am not impressed. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Out of Limits of Minute Tooth Radio Show. Outoflimitsradio.com. I'm your host, Ryan. Tonight is going to be a intense and tough show because on our program, we, we always seek out the truth, and sometimes the truth is in a bed of roses, and sometimes it's in a dark place, and tonight we're definitely going to a darker place. Our featured guest is a Holocaust survivor. She's going to discuss how she sees a lot of similarities between what is happening in our world today and what was happening during Germany with the Holocaust. And some people will say, well, that's outrageous. How could you even think to make that comparison? Well, let's see. In Australia and in some of the countries, they're rounding people up and putting them in camps because they're not taking a vaccine. Okay. People who are not vaccinated, they're denied access to health care. They're getting fired. They're being made social pariahs, being blamed for everything. Jeez, does that sound familiar to you? Is that such a far stretch to make that kind of comparison? You know it's not. And where things are going could be pretty scary. But I had a very strange encounter this past weekend. It's uh, kind of fitting for the show in a grocery store with my son and first off I never wear a mask I don't care if the state or anyone mandates it so it's a mandate I don't care I'm not going to cover my face anyway we're in the store and this lunatic walks up to us and she's like that's some great example you're setting for your son you know to imply the fact that because I haven't put a facial diaper on my kid's face and deprived him of breathing, and I'm not wearing one, that I, I'm, I'm somehow the bad parent here. And, you know, when she said that, I, I laughed it off at first. I was like, ah, you know, what can I say? My son's awesome and he's doing great. Yeah, thank you. I walked away. She got into my personal space again and said something even more vindictive and more snippy and more condescending. And I just tore her goddamn head right off. I was not having it. It was like the Papa Bear instinct kicked in, and I said things to this person that I have never said to another human being before with such an intensity. I couldn't believe what I was saying. And I'll tell you what, she did not bother us or go anywhere near us for the rest of the time. So mission accomplished. 
but you know that I felt good. I felt good to stand up for my son. I felt good to, to push back against these nuts. And quite frankly, I don't think that she or the other people in that collective psychosis were expecting that to happen. They don't expect people to stand up because they haven't stood up for themselves. They've completely laid down their bodies and their souls to tyranny. And they just want you to be on their level. And they expect everyone else to do it. Well, you know that we're not going to do that. So, anyway, get out of the store. Felt good for a short period of time. But I started feeling a tremendous amount of guilt in the coming days. And it was because I, I couldn't believe that that darkness, that that side of me came out. And I, I don't want to be like that. I don't want to be like those people. And I don't think you want to do it either. Believe me, in the short term, it feels good to tell one of them to F off. But in the long term, when you realize that you become them even temporarily, it's just an awful feeling. They are going to turn on themselves. They are already turning on themselves. And the fact that they even dare to confront you or walk up to you means you've already won. You've already angered them by being happy. So my advice, follow it if you wish, don't, whatever, is to try to walk away. I wish I had walked away, but I, I was kind of forced to, to do it because I, uh, you're not going to disrespect my son. You're not going to say anything to my son or get anywhere near my family. And it seems that uh, Matthias Desmond talks about mass formation psychosis, you know, really nailed it. Ever since he talked about that about a month ago, it's really making rounds. And it's been on Rogan's show and a bunch of other places that, you know, there's that 30 percent of the population. They are never getting out. They are never, ever going to wake up, you know, and they're only going to try to bring us down. And the only thing we could do is to step out of the way and let them collapse upon themselves. I don't think that the collective psychosis is capable of bringing down the people that are willing to stand because I believe that the people that are willing to stand, there's so much fight within all of us. There's just too much for us to fight for that we're not going to let them win. But we're writing history right now. We are literally writing the most important part of human history. And I hope we win. Let's begin tonight's show. It is a great honor to welcome to our show Vera Sharav. She's the founder and president of the Alliance for Human Resource Protection. Learn more about her by going to her website at ahrp.org. And Sharav is also a Holocaust survivor. And I've listened to some of her previous discussions, and quite frankly, they, they chilled me to the bones. But you know, on the Adelim Seminar Truth, the whole point is to seek the truth and to seek it no matter how dark and how horrible it may be. And we're definitely going to hear a few things that are probably going to make all of us uncomfortable. Sharav, welcome to our show. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Can you please tell our audience about your background, uh, what it was like to be a Holocaust survivor, how, what it was like in your childhood, and what are some of the lessons you learned about that experience? Well, you know, my whole world was shattered when I was three and a half years old. Uh, my family and I were deported from Romania to a concentration camp in the Ukraine. And my father died there. And, of course, that was, you know, very shattering, to say the least. Um, you know, people don't realize that children 
are very observant. The children take in much more than what adults give them credit for. And what I, you know, there are many memories that I have from that period, and many of them have come up, you know, resurfaced. Uh, But essentially, you know, living under constant fear and hunger, you know, Hunger and fear, those were the two major issues. But I also listened to what people were saying, you know, and so I absorbed some of the things that, you know, what made them fearful. Uh, Of course, the major thing was not to get on a list, lists that would be put out every so often, with people's names, and then they would be sent off to the death camps. Because we were not in a death camp; we were in a kind of a not, you know, non-regimented um, starvation camp. Essentially, nothing was given to us. Um, it's very, it's very, very difficult to. Uh, witness today how people are cowered and and, and sort of, you know, in this obedience mode. Obedience mode was what it was then as well, both in terms of, you know, the Nazis, but also the Jewish population was also obedient when they were told to mount the trains and when they were told to whatever they were told they tried to do and they were told to do it also by their leadership. I've often thought about what would have happened if they would have disobeyed. Well, of course, many would have just been killed while running, while shooting, but would that be worse? than going into the showers, the Zyklon B showers. I'm not so sure. Uh, But these are things that no one can put themselves in the shoes of the other unless they really put themselves in the shoes of the other. And this this is very, very difficult. I fully appreciate that people don't have a clue as to what it is that has been set up, really, um, for this, what's called the Great Reset, uh, or the New Normal. We're really aware of that. Yeah, we cover that. Yeah. And this is what really people ought to be looking at, because this is not science fiction. This is not conspiracy theory. This is, we are living in what is a conspiracy, and it is total evil. Very few people can fathom evil. Those of us who went through, in whatever measure of the Holocaust, learned what evil really, really is. In other words, what people are really capable of. 
And I'll tell you something about the current situation. For, so, for example, early on, I I talked about Andrew Cuomo as absolutely evil. When he issued the order in March 2020 to hospitals not to treat the elderly, but to send them to nursing homes. And before he issued that executive order, he predicted this virus in nursing homes will be like fire through dry grass. He understood that it was slaughter. He also, before he issued the order, gave both hospitals and nursing homes immunity from liability. Just consider what all that means. He knew exactly what was going to happen, and he protected, he shielded those who, well, it so happens that the hospital in insurance board were his biggest campaign contribu- contributors. Okay, that's pure evil. And I was castigated, and I want to, you know, I want to say I was castigated by people who knew a great deal, who were not naive, and yet they... As one told me, I can't get my head around that he really meant that. I said, look, I didn't say anything. I quoted his words. Fire through dry grass. So he knew what that meant. And he's responsible for the slaughter of more than 15,000 human beings. That's... uh, That's very much um, parallel to what the Nazis did. And I have to, I, I know most people don't know this, but the first victims of medical murder under the Nazis were not Jews. They were German infants and children under the age of three. Their crime was that they were disabled. The project was called T4. The children were removed from their parents. Some at birth were reported by midwives. Parents were told that the children would receive special treatment to improve their health. They were taken to murder centers in hospitals. And they were medically murdered. Some of those children were first used in starvation experiments so that doctors could record how long it took for a child to die. This is so sick. Being denied nutrition. It's very important for people to, you know, just sort of grasp it. Believe me, it's very hard for me to tell this, but this is the truth. 
We need to know that when the medical profession joins forces with government, it it's no longer it's no longer the humanitarian healing profession. It becomes a murderous apparatus. And we're seeing that now. Uh, it didn't end with Andrew Cuomo. The, um, it continued. The um, doctors were ordered, they were given orders what they were allowed, how they were allowed to treat COVID patients. And they were not allowed to use the life-saving, safe, FDA fully licensed treatments that had been used for decades for all kinds of illnesses. They already had a safety record decades long, but they were not allowed to use it because that would have interfered with the launching of what Bill Gates called the final solution vaccine. Just think even of that, of his use of, you know, word, final solution. People need to, people need to, you know, kind of think a little, you know, think, what does this mean? The virus is not the problem. It's the people who are who are um, holding us all hostage. That's the problem. The fact that people have become so obedient, obedient to authority, that's the problem. Free people don't obey. (laughs) I I agree with you on that one. And Ms. Sharon... There was an interview that we've cited before. I think it was mm-hmm. one of our last shows, and I highly recommend if you haven't seen it to check it out. It was by Atias Desmond, and he's talking about the how the reason why I guess people are going along with this is because there's a new mass formation. It's a psychological yeah, mat, yeah. yeah brainwashing. Yeah, you're always I know, this, I know yeah. about that, and that's true. Okay, I mean, but you how does it compare to it? It's essentially a psychological conditioning that renders free human beings as obedient slaves. That's what it does, and that's its purpose. And people need to really, you know, kind of as painful as it may be. I mean, you know, they're in, they've been in a trauma for two years. They've been in a trauma where they're walking around with masks when these masks, they're absurd. They certainly do not protect against airborne anything because those airborne things are much smaller, you know, than the fabric of of the mask. It's, It's absurd. The masks are, I say, the symbolic equivalent of the yellow star. They are meant to signify that you are not a free person, a free agent. 
you are an obedient slave. I'm glad you said that. If you look at, I mean, just to, to put something in perspective, having survived the Holocaust and having seen what is happening right now, do you think that we are on the cusp of a much grander version of the Holocaust that is not just limited to one country, but is limited worldwide based on what you are seeing, based on what you're observing in all nations right now? Absolutely. It's not geared just for Jews. It's not geared just for blacks. It's not geared just for whatever, Catholics. It doesn't. No. This is an assault on the entire human population globally. In other words, the Nazis had bigger plans than what they managed to accomplish. The Jews were the first victims that they had their, you know, eyes on that they wanted to eliminate. But they were not the only ones. The next on their agenda were the Polish people and then the Slavic people. And it went on and on and on. They looked at Europe and the Soviet Union. They intended that only the Aryans, which is Germany, Austria, and the Scandinavian countries, would be, you know, uh, would stand. Uh, the British, the Anglo-Saxons, would become the slaves. And all the others would be annihilated. And today, you see, the the target population is the entire global population. Uh, yeah, they've become much more ambitious because the technology is there for them to use. During the Holocaust, IBM was Hitler's huge weapon. Without IBM, he couldn't have done it. IBM provided the technology to track and to round up, to deport, to incarcerate, and eventually to exterminate the Jews of Europe. IBM even scheduled the trains to make sure that they were on schedule. IBM, their machinery was at concentration camps to track. Uh, this is very important because IBM today continues and is, of course, so much more developed. I mean, we're talking about a tracking and surveillance technology. And New York, in fact, Andrew Cuomo contracted IBM to be <laughs> the um, Excelsior passport, the green passport. That's IBM. Jeez. And the way that they're, they're doing that, I mean, just to try to put this in perspective, okay, they have the surveillance. They've got all this technology, but at the same time, it seems that people can show a video of the tyranny and get the message out even faster. And just, I'm trying to offer maybe a small piece of hope here, but a gentleman we've had on our show before named Larkin Rose, 
has repeatedly said that when you have these people that are status, when you have these people that believe in the uh, the apparatus of government, and then they see the tyranny happening, it's one of those things where it's kind of undeniable. Like they, they can be only be in cognitive distance for so long before some of them will snap out of it. And because the tyranny is being live streamed through social media at such a rapid pace, do you also see that technology as something that is an Achilles heel as well as an asset to the global tyranny machine? Well, you see, the problem is that people became uh, addicted, really, to technology. You know, people are walking around with those iPhones, uh, oblivious to their surroundings, oblivious to the people next to them. Uh, This has been, you know, this took quite a while to accomplish. It wasn't always like that. And what people didn't realize was that while they thought, oh, this is so, this is such a great thing, uh, you know, I can get in touch with anybody all over the world and I can be in contact and all of that. What they didn't realize was <laughs> that this was a two-way street and much more information was being gathered from the individuals than they were actually accessing and that information has been stored and that information is there to be used so green passports are not about being able to go to a ball game or to a restaurant the green passports the digital passports are the way to become slaves because they have the capacity to include, to gather everything about every individual, not just the vaccination, but all medical records, all financial records, all, all, all their contacts, everything, which means it gives those who have been gathering this, it gives them the power to control people 24 hours a day, seven days a week, remotely. People won't even know that they're being observed. And they share this this surveillance information is shared with police, with whoever they want. Some will be buying the information, of course, valuable. This has been happening slowly, piece by piece. It one of the one of the areas that it happened within this these last ten years is that doctors were forced to put all their records uh, on electronic method and to share them with government. Those records have been tapped zillions of times by all kinds of (laughs) merchants. But the point is government has the total database. This is extremely valuable if you are planning to turn this country into a dictatorship. 
a totalitarian dictatorship. Information is what enables regimes to become totalitarian. Okay, can we just, um, I, wanted, I don't want to miss this, but thinking about what happened in Germany and just mm-hmm. looking at the United States, where, where do you see the comparisons to where Germany and the U.S. are and what stage is the U.S. as far as things go? Because, I mean, I'm just looking at one thing with the U.S. I know that Germany, the other dictator, and some of these other countries have a charismatic dictator. I don't see any charismatic particular leader that captures the imagination or the attention of all the people in the States because it seems like America is so divided. And I, I kind of wonder if that's actually a, could be an asset in some ways. But just from your perspective, where well, do you see Well, it turns Germany? out yeah. there's no need for a charismatic leader. <laughs> Think about it. Look at all our, you know, look at all the European leaders and look at what we have. We've had, you know, one election after another where neither candidate was in any way appropriate to be the president of the United States. Those were our choices, right? How did that happen? Because somebody else is pulling the strings. Because it it costs so many hundreds of millions of dollars to run for that office. And so who funds it is the one who controls it. The other part is, you know, I mean, it's it's kind of ironic, but uh, Stalin said way back, people who vote don't elect. It's the counters who elect. (laughs) We've had quite a few times where uh, the counters, you know, have been questioned. I mean, what are you counting? So it's no longer a clean, you know, transparent, democratic way of electing our leaders. We really have very little to say about who the leaders are. There are, you see, the, the billionaire, the multi-billionaire global class has grown in power over these last 25, 30 years to just, most of us cannot imagine really what it means to be as wealthy, as powerful as they are. They determine from above who and what. And in each country, and it's very easy for them to both bribe and threaten. I mean, People are here have been distracted. You know, they argue about Trump and Biden and Hillary and all that. But really? Huh. That's not who's running the country. And I think people, I'm sure there are many of your listeners who are really are wondering, who is running this country? Obviously, Joe Biden can't. So who is running? It, it's somebody who's not elected, Right. I imagine it's a probably collaboration between Klaus Schwab, Bill Gates, and whatever well, interest there. But we didn't elect them. No. Okay. No, no, we didn't. And um, some of these other people that are in the country, I, I don't think a lot of people have uh, are elected as well. I just, you know, you're right. That's, I think you pointed that's out. where that's where the that's where democracy fell apart. One of the things really is that if you look at uh, democracy, both, I mean, of course, the, the, what the Greeks said, but really the founding fathers, the founding fathers of the, really of the United States were absolutely brilliant. 
they understood they understood uh, human just human frailties the, the human you know the fact that human beings can be corrupted the psychology of humans and so they devised a system that with checks and balances so each one <laughs> checks on the other one and doesn't allow one of the branches to overtake the whole and none of that is working now that the checks and balances have not been working anymore they've been hijacked by the executive and also too i mean this comes to a gentleman had on the show says that the belief in authority is the most dangerous superstition the idea that one human being should have a power and authority over another yep. is very dangerous yep. I, and i love that and i love the this idea of just voluntarist voluntarist you know just yep. you know everyone yep. each other. but i do want to come back to this to you look at germany you look at where things were you look at when the holocaust happened where is the united states compared to germany i mean are we at the stage right now where we're probably on the cusp of seeing the the roundups and we're going to see the like, mass genocide or are we at a point where people can kind of turn things around because if we look at certain states like florida Texas and some of these other southern states, a lot of people are um, migrating to these states because they have more freedom. And mm-hmm. at least in some of the places that I'm in, most people aren't following the, the, these mandates. I think a lot of people are not doing what they're told. And I see that as a positive because I figure that if majority were doing what they're told, I'd feel a lot more alarmed. But I do feel comfort in seeing a lot of people really not caring anymore about these things. Like they're kind of done with it. And I wonder if that's a positive sign. But I'm just well, curious. I, I really... Uh... I will tell you that I truly, I mean, I've changed my mind about politics in major ways, and so have a lot of other people. Uh, but I do believe that, look, we own this virus. This was done in a lab with our money and with our, with our, <laughs> with our Fauci on top of it. Okay, so we we own it. We own it. So we've got to. We've got to overturn it. And I believe, I do believe that, yes, those states that you mentioned, in other words, we're talking about mostly the red states, right? Yes. They have to get us out of it. Because more people in those states see clearly what the heck this is, where it's going and who's running it than the liberal so-called. Now, I want to say something about that, the liberal, right? The liberal, progressive, uh, socialist, right? Well, guess what? People forget. Nazi stands for National Socialism. And Nazi National Socialism is no different from National Communism, the Soviets. The Nazis... And the Soviets are two sides of the same coin. Each one operates on a absolute, you know, murderous uh, operation. In one it's called gulags, and in the other it's called concentration camps. Both are about annihilating a big segment of the population. It's so horrible. And, Vera, 
there was a point where I, I mean, it could have been as early as 10 years ago. If you looked at what defined a traditional liberal, you say, okay, well, yep. pro-peace, you know, mm-hmm. pro-freedom, like really all about, you know, civil liberties. And I had to say like, those are two things I agree with. But I think that those are, those are some of the things anyone who's a voluntarist would right. occur with, you know, the peace, civil liberties. And then you've got like some conservative values, which are, okay, you know, let's just not get involved in everything. We have to stop, you know, uh, looking at um, people and groups in, in yeah. you know, in preconceived notions because, no, they're not. And that's what this is showing, that the whole thing is, you know, it, it, it's it's a fraud. In other words, these preconceptions uh, and prejudices, they really are, what this is showing is that it's completely useless, it's baseless, because they go they go where uh predators are predators it doesn't matter any ism you know becomes really uh at a certain point it doesn't hold up because the ism isn't really what <laughs> what those who are running the show are you know adhering to so those ideologies don't mean a damn thing. Ideology, you know, is something that is um, exploited. It, it, it's something that's used, but it isn't the truth. You know, Black Lives Matter. Excuse me. In, in, in public health, black lives don't matter. They've been abused forever. It didn't start or end with Tuskegee. So those are just, you know, throwaway words. <laughs> and yeah. we shouldn't get hung up on those things. And the same thing goes for the, you know, the, 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 the socialism and all that. Yeah, it's fine on paper, but when people examine those countries that supposedly uh, ran under those flags, under those uh, ideologies, they find that they're just as murderous as the other ones. So one needs to look really very clearly at what people really have up their sleeve. We need to look beyond the, the, you know, the, the, the um, sound bites. Got it. You know, you pointed out how you're able to spot evil because mm-hmm. of your previous life experience, and you're seeing it here, and I see it all the time. I mean, I, I do it. And another thing, Vera, is that on our show, we've interviewed several people that have had near-death experiences. So they have, like, this really unique perspective. And I've always asked them, I go, what do you think about this? And uh, one of our frequent guests says, well, okay, well, you know, from a person who's been dead and had a near-death experience, this is human nature. Humans have the capability of extreme acts of good and extreme acts of evil. It is a human quality and behavior. But it seems that, like, based on the way you're describing it, it's like there's this, like, great evil. It seems to emerge and stick its head out, like, every maybe a couple hundred years. So I'm going to just take a quick analysis of this thing is, did that evil ever get driven back into the doldrums the first time around, or has it always been sitting here waiting or maybe just, you know... um, waiting for another opportunity to fully emerge. I mean, was ever was evil ever quite, quite frankly, defeated, or did it just kind I, of just take I, a breather? Yeah. I think that evil <laughs> takes over when it's very opportunistic, when they 
see an opportunity, they grab it. And they're all, it, it's almost like, you know, an army in waiting, you know. <laughs> and when they see the opportunity, they pounce. And unfortunately, we in the West have been really asleep at the helm. And we've been diverted by a lot of, as they even admit, unwinnable wars. Well, if they're unwinnable, why did we engage in them? Because they made money from the military-industrial complex. Some, that's right. There are those who profited, profiteered from them. Well, but you see, in, had the democracy really been working, we would have kicked those out of their positions of power. But people wound up being so absorbed in, you know, in their own daily whatever, and they thought, oh, somebody else will take care of it. Well, nobody took care of it. They grew more and more emboldened and more and more powerful, and they were able in this stance now, 2020, 2021, they have been able to bribe every single institution of government in every country. How's that? It's, it's, it's shocking. It really is shocking. And you know, coming yeah. up, I do want to ask you a couple questions about what people can do, but just to identify something. You, I listened to one of your previous interviews, and this is what really kind of um, gave me the chills, is you had said that, okay, Holocaust happens you have these allied forces, you have these army that eventually came in and, and mm -hmm. drove out the fascists, and we have the Nuremberg Code, but like right now, it seems that every single country is on board with this yes. global tyranny. So where does that leave us? I mean, do we have, do we, from your perspective, do, is there more resistance now than what there was back then? Is that a sign of hope? Or are we just pretty much out for ourselves? Are we, are we pretty much going to have to resort back to... Uh, certain towns, certain states that are just going to have to remain free on themselves and always be vigilant. Like, what no, do you see? No, no, we've got to, we've got to be really unified together. If people, if people get together, forget their differences. It doesn't matter black, white. It doesn't matter Jewish, Catholic, Protestant. Doesn't matter any. None of that matters now. This is an existential threat to our survival as a human species. And if we get together, we are the billions. There are seven and a half billion of us. They might be at most a thousand. We should be able to take them down. But that can only happen if we unite. Well, how does that and happen? I, and, and what I said then and what I'll say again is yes, at the end of World War II, it was the Allied forces who rescued whatever survivors survived. There will be no rescuers if we don't rescue ourselves and our children now. We have to say no. Enough. No more lockdowns. No dictates as to what vaccines or what of what medical interventions we want. We decide. No one has a right to decide for us. We have to stand up as adult human beings. It's shocking to see parents delivering their children 
like sacrificial lambs. Children are not at all at risk for this virus. So why are they why are they lining up and bringing their children to be shot with with a totally totally experimental injection that that uses a a genetic technology that's never been used before and has hardly been tested before it's being massively injected yeah, it's, it's it's completely re- insane yeah it, there, it, it breaks my heart when i go into stores i will never let anyone put a, a muzzle my son or me when we walk in stores and i see these little children these little babies that have these masks on i just i really want to it is punch, unbelievable i want to punch the parents you, right out it just makes me sick it's terrible it's it's so it's so shocking it's really really unbearable and i have to say one thing personally which is that one of the things that saved me, that uh, where I saved myself really, but because there was a period about ten months where I was a child in transit without a mother or a father, and I had to, I had to assess who would be kind-hearted to help me. Well, strangers, and I did find them. I was I learned to assess people, individual people. I had um, a Romanian Christian family took me into their home. I was there for more than three months. They nurtured me back to health. Just. You know, in other words, they still had the kindness of human beings. And I had to decide between different people. With these masks and things that children are being deprived of learning how to read people's expressions. This is one of the most important. Here, for me, it was life-saving. We need to be able to, yes, to recognize, to decipher good people or not. And sometimes here, as I was left, you know, floating, um, I needed to do that or I wouldn't have survived. I was very little. I didn't grow very much in the three years that I was in the concentration camp. And I knew that I couldn't take care of myself and I needed adults. Did your mother... And I had to choose them. Was your mother with you or did she perish in that? No, no, no. My mother, my mother sent me, she lied that I was an orphan. I was only a half an orphan because my father had died. But this was in 1944 when the final solution was in full swing. And uh, a couple of hundred children were essentially, we were bartered for money. I don't know totally really who paid for it, but we were bartered for money. And we were sent back to Romania as if it was a big mistake that they had sent us to the camp, which is nonsense. Uh, But it was, she sent me 
to save my life because they knew that this was going to be the end. That's incredible. And do you ever, um, when I think about all the people right now that are complying with the tyranny, I mean, I see, this is what's really mm-hmm. hard for me personally. I don't know, Vera, if, you, if you've experienced this as well, but I find it harder and harder with each passing day to have empathy or respect for people who are going along with this and complying with this. I just have this like growing disdain because like, you know, if you don't know by now, if you do not have the capability and the integrity or the courage to see beyond this, to see how obvious this is, I, I just don't even look at people who have those masks on due to their children as real people. I mean, it, I, I guess maybe I'm, I'm falling to this uh Manipulation, I guess, of the evil one way because I'm having a hard time having empathy for them. But I'm no, wondering. This is, it is very difficult. No. But at the same time, you have to understand these people, are, if they're brainwashed, I mean, okay. they are totally mesmerized. Okay. And they have been, you know, they have been very, very methodically, uh, psychologically brainwashed. Okay. Uh, you know, the the lockdowns and the constant assaultive propaganda of every channel, every newspaper, that did the trick. Uh, at the time in World War II, yes, the press and the radio were the media. But now you have just everything. I mean, <laughs> you know, television, cable tele it doesn't matter. They're all pumping the same story, the same, the same. Um, they have put people into a state of panic and inability to think. Yeah. And, uh, of course, uh, I, I understand your... <laughs> Reaction and and mine is often the same, but at the same time, you need to sort of understand that they really, they're not in control of their own actions. They're they're like zombies. You say that again. (laughs) But the fact, well, what I what I cannot tolerate, really, I can't tolerate is that they are delivering their children. That, yeah. you see, look here, my mother sent me away. She, I mean, do you know what, how, how, what a horrible thing that was for her? But she sent me in order to save me. Because she thought, you know, that they would all be. And yes, people, even every mammal protects their children, takes responsibility for protecting their children. And what people are doing when they defer to government dictates to, 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 to give the jab to the children, this is, un, this is, complete, this is just unacceptable. This I cannot, I, I can't tolerate. That. I can't tolerate either. That's, it's a lack I mean, of empathy. Some, at some point you've got to wake up. Yeah. Even if it's a nightmare, you got to wake up. And for your children, that's when you have to wake up. Because the children cannot protect themselves. No. And they're sacrificing their kids. And there's one thing. Yes. Um, 
I'm just curious. Yeah, like, but they don't realize it, don't you see? They have been spellbound. They they believe that oh, only only the only the injection is going to save them. This is how it's completely complete. Anyway, look. You know, they used to. I, it just occurred to me. You know, in, in American history, remember the um, the uh, trials of the the witches. You know. <laughs> yep. Well, this is, yeah, the people then were also, they were in a complete uh, daze. Of course, there were those who were running the thing, and they wanted the property of those, quote, witches. It was a transfer of property. And, of course, that's what's happened here, too, with lockdowns. With lockdowns, all local businesses. Being shut. Yeah. Okay. And people thrown into poverty while the billionaires made trillions. Truly, I can't count that way, you know, but it's trillions of dollars. They're making a lot of money. You know, I'm, I'm curious, like, so after World War II, we find, the, you know, the, the, the horrors of the Holocaust revealed. And then you, yep. then all these compliant Germans realize what their country has done and their shame. Like I wonder, yes. what kind of um, what they must have been going through. And I wonder if the same thing is going to happen in the world today, where all these people that were compliant that were giving their kids to the altar of Moloch, sacrificing their kids, and yeah. all of a sudden they're going to come out. I wonder if the reaction is going to be similar. And in fact, what, what was the reaction? Did people like live with chronic shame for the rest of their lives? Well. I'll tell you a few vignettes. Well, first of all, the grandchildren asked the grandparents, where were you? Where were you? What did you do? And in fact, the third generation Germans uh, did uh, come to terms uh, with the guilt of the country. But as we see now, both Germany and Austria is reverting, you know, the governments are reverting to their old, you know, fascist tactics. So I really, I thought, because I have a lot of now friends, you know, German, but you see what's happened with this. Uh, And one of the things that one sees, and it's sort of, it's sort of interesting if you, if you look carefully and you see people like Angela Merkel she you know she looks terrified and as if she's saying to whoever is running whoever is pulling the string you see I'm a good girl I'm I'm telling them that they have to you know they have to get the jab and all that she's shaking you see the same thing with with, with Bennett in Israel where yeah. Oh, children, we you know, while he's hearing from their own hospitals how the those who are vaccinated, the main ones who are in the hospitals and the ones dying and all that, and he, he realizes that, and then he says, oh, and we're quickly going to get the children. What's going on? It's, you know, it's, again, they're puppets. They're puppets. They're also sort of in... in, in they're not exactly in a trance, but they're terrified. And you wonder, how is it that Donald Trump, who was 
right? I mean, so many people thought he was, oh, he stood up to. No, he didn't. He's responsible for... The Operation for Warp Speed. Operation Warp Speed. And yeah. now he's going around saying, oh, yeah, oh, he's all for the boosters and the this yeah. and the that. Well, is he, is he again pandering to those who he's afraid of? Or is he just a son of a bitch? I mean, really, one or the other, right? I, I don't know. I, he certainly is not the one that so many millions of people counted on. As I said before, we haven't had uh, competent people running for the presidency of the United States in quite a few elections. We've had people who should never have been in power in the first place. And the ones that lost and the ones that won, it didn't matter. This is not something organic from the people. This is something that's being pushed on us, and we need to push back. Well, speaking about pushing back, I, I wanted people to walk away from this interview. And I mean, I'm glad we, we went through the, 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 the valley of the dark there. I mean, it, I, yeah. it was very yeah. hard, it was yeah. very hard to... to get it's that. very hard. Yeah, yeah, and I appreciate you, you bringing this information because I feel it's so crucial, but... You have this wonderful organization called the Alliance for Human Research Protection. I've gone through yeah. your site, and you do a lot of wonderful advocacy work. Can you please tell people what they can do to help support your organization, and what are some of the things that you think they can do right now to start to push back against this tyrannical darkness, maybe shed some more light and optimize the light into this world? Well... As far as pushing back, they really need to understand that if people get together and push back, we absolutely will win. And then we've got to have a real reckoning, you know, the way they did in South Africa. A, you know, wait, wait, what happened in South Africa? What did they do? We doing? have to hold people responsible. I'm sorry. This is what Nuremberg did. That right. was the most important, the most important uh thing that happened at, at the end of World War II was the Nuremberg Trials, because the Nuremberg Trials held the perpetrators, just, of course, it was only a handful, but still, they were held accountable. That included doctors who were hung. And that never happened before or after. And, yeah, the medical establishment hates Nuremberg because, yeah, they hold people individually accountable. And that's what we need to kind of hold in back of our head, that that needs to happen. Uh, because giving them a pass only encourages them to get, to embolden them. I mean, just think about they have their eyes set on the entire global population. Now, as far as the Alliance for Human Research Protection, well, any you know, any contribution or is extremely gratefully accepted. Will be very appreciated. Uh, we, uh, I'm working on a documentary, for which we will need some help. Uh, and the documentary is to show the parallels between then and now, and to show also that the Holocaust. The victims were not only Jews. There were a lot of victims. And we need to recognize that we are one human species. 
And we absolutely have to respect one another. I don't say love one another, you know. I mean, you know, I, I'm still old-fashioned. I choose who I love. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, but respect, absolutely. And look, the only way this will be the end of the world is if we let them. We absolutely can stop this. But we need to be united with one another. We need to join forces. We need to join hands. And I, I, you know, I keep thinking of the Martin Luther King March on Washington. That made a huge difference. Without that, I think black Americans would be in a different place today. They're not in a great place, but neither are we, <laughs> you know. I no. mean, at this point. We should, we should all be united. I mean, I think that's so easy. United. Yes, we yeah. all need to understand. And look, scientifically, biologically, that's a fact. There's no difference. Yeah. The eugenicists try to create wedges between us as if there is a... The, the the Germans, the Nazis used to call it the Übermenschen and the Untermenschen, the, you know, which is like the blue bloods and the unwanted, you know. No, that's not how nature made it. That's not how God made it. It's Vera Sharab. I want to thank you so much for being with us today and for sharing uh, your your very great wisdom and your perspectives and your inspirational messages for people and how they could take action. You can learn more about Vera by going to her website at ahrp.org. Again, she's founder president of the Alliance for Human Research Protection. She does a lot of av- a lot of advocacy work, so please check out their site. If you can, please make a donation because she is putting out very uh, relevant, timely information that is helping and transforming the lives of many people. Vera, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Okay. And good luck to all of us. <laughs> Okay, everyone, that concludes today's edition of the Out of Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. Special thanks to our unbelievable guests, and special thanks, as always, to our virtues, Miss Carrie O'Connor, Miss Constance Dallas, and our social producer, Jenny Lamisa. To learn more about the Out of Limits of Inner Truth, please go to our website at outoflimitsradio.com. And till the next time we meet, my friends, I wish upon you an abundance of peace. Love and beers. Take care and thank you so much for listening. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.